0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time
0: for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber.
1: Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And, uh, we have a little, little, uh, overplay there. Just, you know, once you get behind, it's hard to catch up sometimes. But anyway, we're glad to have you listening in to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. And we've got our very special host from Florida on today, Mr. James Dunce. Good morning, James. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great.
1: Good, good. And uh, we're doing great. Every now and then you may hear a banging sound because they're re-roofing the building and it seems like they can be very noisy at times. But anyway, uh, hopefully that'll stop the leak in this building and uh, we can uh, move on from there, you know. Um, anyway, James has a great topic today that we're going to talk about. And uh, no matter where you are, I would venture to say that uh, it's warming up. Uh, Even this morning in Atlanta, it was cool, but uh, when it's going to be cool all day. But we know summer's right around the corner. Springs on a springs about to sprung, and fall has fell, and summer's here, and it's going to be hot as it can be. So we got to get our cars ready for that and uh we're going to talk a little bit about uh what you need to do and James uh you wrote about what a novice like myself can do, can do are that uh in most cases like with many things it's better to take it to somebody that knows what they're doing and <laughs> I've experienced this. I know you haven't, but I've experienced this. It would have been a lot cheaper to take it to the expert to begin with as me screwing things up. So, tell us about what we can do as novices and uh, what really needs to be taken and turned over to an expert.
2: Well, you know, today actually is the uh, first day of spring. Yes. It's a good time to start thinking, uh, start to thinking about it. And what I'd like to do is is actually do this in three parts. Uh, The first part having to do with cooling system maintenance. uh, The second part having to do with gasoline and oil. And the third part is air conditioning. But, uh, you know, I had a large auto repair center here in Central Florida. And my number one complaint, number one problem in the summertime was overheating. And these these cars these days, years ago you you could overheat one. It would steam. You'd let it cool down, you fill it back up, and you were and you fine. But now they're using different uh, metals. Uh, you've got a cast iron block, you have aluminum cylinder heads. And if you overheat them one time, you can do major damage to the, uh, to the engine. And, uh, you know, the, I, I used to hear when, when the customers had the car towed in, they'd always tell me, well, I had to get to that next exit. Well, that next exit cost them their engine. Mm. Uh, these days, when you have an overheating issue, it's important that you shut it down. And that may be in- inconvenient, and as many of my customers said I had to get to the next exit. that was a very expensive uh, move. but um, I'm going to go through uh, several different items here that, that uh, you, you need to check. Uh, first of all, there, there's two types of fans uh, in these vehicles. They have what they call a clutch fan that uh, tightens up when it gets hot and loosens up when it's cool. It also You also have electric cooling fans, and uh, it's important that uh, those uh, items are, well, the clutch fan is going to be working unless it's effective. Uh, the way to test that is when the engine is cold, there should be, uh, it should be some tension on it. If you take the blade and you start to move it, you should feel uh, tension on it. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It says earlier, I got that backwards. No, it should feel looser when it's cold so the engine heats up quicker. But when it gets warm, uh, if you had the, in- of course, you're going to have the engine off. If you take the fan the blade and you move it, uh, there should be resistance. So what it does is it actually tightens up uh, to bring more uh, air through uh, when the engine is hotter. Uh, engine coolant. It's, it's very important that you use the correct coolant. You know, years ago, all you had was uh, ethanol, glycol, ethylene, glycol, and in some of the colder areas, they used a straight ethanol or methanol in, in the radius. But now, you have these different coolants, and it's very important that you don't mix them. Uh, mixing the new, some of the newer coolants with some of the older coolants will actually cause them to gel. So... It's important to go to your owner's manual you're going to add coolant to your, uh, to your radiator to make sure you're adding the right one. Uh, this is a mistake that, that uh, happens a lot. Uh, when you're adding coolant to the radiator, of course, when it's cold, it's not a problem. But when it's hot, you have to be really careful uh, because as you start to loosen the cap, the water will, and coolant will start to boil. And if it starts to boil, if you take that cap off too fast, um, you can get seriously burned. And I have burned myself a couple of times uh, rushing that. But something interesting that I found out, I'm from Wisconsin originally, and we didn't have as many uh, cooling system issues there as we do here in Florida. In, in Wisconsin, every year when the weather started to turn cold, the first thing we did was we changed our antifreeze. And down here, it's something that's somewhat ignored in other hot areas. It's ignored. And here's the problem. Antifreeze, when it starts to break down, it actually forms an acid. And that acid, uh, when you have two different metals, which you have different metals in a cooling system... You'll actually set up a current. You got a battery, is basically what you got, and you'll actually set up a current path. And that electrolysis process can damage, it can eat the impellers off of your water pump, it can eat the freeze plugs out of the block, and do other major damage, and including to the head gaskets. So it's it's real important if if you're living in the south uh, to go ahead once a year and and change that, that coolant. Now, remember, if you're draining that coolant and you're doing it yourself, you need to dispose of it in the right way because uh, glycol antifreeze is actually sweet. And if you, if you pour that out on the ground, you pour that out on the, on the curb, uh, animals sometimes will go ahead and, and uh, lick that because it tastes sweet and then you end up killing that animal. So it's very important that you uh, dispose of the uh, coolant in the right way. And uh, where,
1: where can you take it to dispose of it?
2: Well, almost every county now has a hazardous waste uh, area, or you can take it to a local service station or a local parts store. Most of the parts stores will take uh, uh, used coolant. Uh, so I would, I would try that. If you can't find the store that will take it, you can definitely dispose of it at the, uh, wherever the county uh, hazardous waste site is.
0: Gotcha.
1: And and that's really something that you know if if you have a little bit of smarts, you can do yourself. Correct. Correct.
2: And, and something also think about on on uh, antifreeze. It's not just for antifreeze. It actually what it does is it actually helps in the transfer of heat in the summertime, and the. The recognized uh, mixture is usually 50-50, 50% water, 50% coolant. And uh, we have mentioned this before when we talked about wintertime, um, pure antifreeze actually freezes. Uh, it has to be mixed with water in order to not freeze. I don't understand the chemical process there, but uh, it is important that even in the summertime that you have this uh, 50-50 mix, So you have better heat transfer. It, it'll aid in the... Uh, uh, cooling of the engine, but I got I to gotta tell you one thing though. I, I, I've had people come to me and tell me over the years, "Well, if it's overheating, go ahead and put add some more antifreeze to it." To be honest with you, I have never had an overheating job that actually putting antifreeze in made the difference. Uh, it's important that you have it so you have the heat trans, uh, transfer, but it's not something that's going to correct an overheating problem. If you have an overheating problem, there's usually another reason for it.
1: And a lot of times, it used to be called a thermostat.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, another question I get is, is radiator hoses and heater hoses. How often how often should they be changed? And this is something that you really got to do it on a mileage basis. Usually, I recommend fifty to sixty thousand miles where you need to change the hoses. You just need to change them because you can't tell what they look like on the inside. I've had many times where I've taken a heater hose or radiator hose, you squeeze on it and you can feel it crunching on the inside. And so it's best just to go ahead at that mileage and just change all the hoses. Because remember what I said at the beginning, all it takes is one time, one time of overheating, and you could do serious damage to your engine. to the uh, gasoline issues you've uh, you've heard of summer gasoline and winter gasoline there is actually a difference in those gasoline and um, the summer gasoline is actually made to where it doesn't vaporize as quickly because of the hot temperatures in the in the winter time they have to change the process so that it evaporates easier because in cold weather, it doesn't vaporize quite as easily. This is what they call vapor pressure. And if you had low vapor pressure in the wintertime, it would cause hard starting. If you have high vapor pressure in the summertime, it causes vapor locking and issues like that. Now, vapor locking is, on the newer cars, where you have a fuel-injected engine, you're working with a fuel pump that's pumping as high as 95 PSI. So the chances of vapor lock is pretty pretty slim on a new vehicle. Now people ask me, well, what is vapor lock? The vapor lock is actually where uh, the fuel heats up in the line and actually boils in the fuel line itself. And what that does is it blocks the flow of fuel. And usually, the, the, in, in, on the older classic cars, you I know you have many classic car listeners, on the old classic cars uh, the most common complaint is that uh, I, I was driving it. It was fine. I set it off to go into the store. When I came out, it wouldn't start. But if I left it sit there for 15, 20, 30 minutes, then it would start up. When you, when you shut an engine off, there's a, a condition called heat soak. When you no longer have circulation of coolant uh, in the engine, the temperature under the hood rises. Now, you, you were fine when you were running, but when you shut it off, when the heat rises, it can be enough to cause the boiling in that fuel line and the blockage uh, of the uh, fuel. Some of the older cars, I'm sure that the Ford uh, flathead people out there have experienced this, where they have the fuel pump right on top. And uh, I can remember years ago with my uh, my parents had a '51 Ford and it had a flathead, and uh, they used to have to take. They used to have to take a sock and fill them with ice cubes and lay it across the fuel pump to prevent the, uh, the vapor locking. Wow. And uh, that worked until the, until the ice cubes melted.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a problem that um, with the fuel injection seems to have pretty well gone away, hasn't it?
2: Well, you can still have it. Actually, I have had it happen to me, uh, but only a couple of times. Some of the newer systems, like the system on my V, I drive a Ford Ranger, and uh, it's got about a 45 psi pressure on the on the fuel line. Some of the newer ones go as high as 95 psi, so the chances of a vapor lock are almost nil uh, on the uh, newer vehicle.
1: Now, we've we've talked about more or less newer vehicles. Uh, as far as really the classic cars, they were air cooled anyway, right? They didn't have yeah,
2: a what, no. Well, no, most of them were water cooled. Most of them uh, have water cooling systems. Hmm. But you know what? What on um, some of the, and I used to be involved in anti car restoration, and we had a lot of issues like this and Where what you can do to help yourself on this is watch where your fuel lines are running. If your fuel lines are running close to the system System, there's a good chance you're going to have vapor locking issues there. And what we used to do is, in those areas, you can get—they call it muffler tape or repairing mufflers. It's—it's it's an asbestos tape. And what we used to do is wrap the fuel line in those areas to insulate it from the uh, from the heat of the exhaust. And that that worked pretty good. But the other thing you got to be concerned with if you have a vapor locking issue now you have uh, E10 gasoline, which is 10% ethanol, the higher the concentration of ethanol, the quicker you're going to have a vapor lock because alcohol evaporates quicker than, than gasoline does. So if you have a, a vapor lock issue, if you're driving a classic car and you can purchase non-ethanol gasoline, that would be a smart move uh, to prevent having that issue. But the higher the ethanol content, the higher the chance that you're going to have a, have a vapor lock.
1: Uh, I wish you had never come up with ethanol personally, but uh, I'm sure some of the Nebraska farmers would argue with me, but uh, I I don't think it's needed, and I don't think, I think it's torn up more things than it's ever helped.
2: Well, what you have to remember about ethanol fuel, the higher the, the, ethanol has less energy than gasoline, about 25% less energy, so the higher the content of alcohol or ethanol in you fuel, the lower your mileage is going to be. And uh, on the uh, flex-fuel vehicles which use the uh, E85, which is 85% ethanol, uh, you have a roughly a 20 to 25% reduction in mileage on those vehicles uh, using, using that. But I always recommend to buy a flex-fuel vehicle, and there's a reason for that, but I say then I say don't use it. I hope nobody hears me say that, but I say don't use it. And the reason for this is the flex-fuel vehicles have a fuel system with a lot of stainless steel parts, And they are made to resist the corrosiveness of ethanol. So uh, my vehicle has 405,000 miles on it. It's all the original fuel system. And it's because it is a flex fuel vehicle. And it has those uh, components that uh, resist that corrosion.
1: Hmm. Okay. Well, on that note, we're going to take our first break. And we'll be back with James Dunst and talking about keeping your car cool right after this.
0: Hi. This is Rocky Blair former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of too. Learn more at GoArmy.com.
3: Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh We're trying to reach
1: each audience uh, with a message, and uh, so we're reaching out to the classic car folks that are listening. If, um, I don't know if you and your wife, or your wife and you, or whatever, uh, keep the plastic bags that we get at the grocery stores, we can use them. We need about 500, it takes 500 plastic bags like that to make a blanket that they use the homeless use to keep keep the wet off the sidewalks when they're when it's raining or whatever and also to insulate between heat and cold uh, if they're sleeping on the sidewalks and we have so many veterans that are that are homeless uh, one out of four homeless are veterans and so we're a collecting point we give them to uh, shine his light uh Frankie Holbrook, she does a, a street ministry that's absolutely, she goes where I sure wouldn't go. And uh, then she has the uh, Forsyth Central High School. There's a group of girls there that make these pads out of these plastic bags. So we're a collecting point. Put them in a big trash bag, and we'll give them to Frankie, and then... Uh, those big plastic trash bags can be used like a poncho, like we had in the Army. So uh, keep us in mind. If you have a question, go to our website and give us a call. And uh, if you're in the area, we'd appreciate you bringing your uh, trash bag full of the little plastic bags. So, with that being said, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and we're glad to have you listening in on the Classic Car Show today. And we've got our special host today, Mr. James Dunst, talking about how and what to do to keep your car cool. So, let's get back to James.
2: You know, one of the, one of the things I forgot to mention, when I, when I mentioned that the uh, coolant uh, builds up an acid inside the cooling system, you can actually check this with a voltmeter. If you take a voltmeter and attach it to the, uh, to the metal part of the radiator and then stick the other lead into the water, you can actually get a voltage reading. And I forget what the reading is where it, they, they tell you you need to change it, but it's a good way to see if you're starting to get an acid buildup in that cooling system. Uh, another item uh, that I get a lot of questions on is motor oil. Uh, what motor oil should I use in the summertime? Now, most of the newer vehicles, if you look on the uh, oil fill cap, there's usually a recommendation on what, what kind of oil you need to use. And most of them now, they're using pretty thin oil. They're using 0W 20 and 0W 30 and so on. And they recommend using that year-round. I have a little issue with that, because uh, the heat here in Florida is pretty intense in the summertime, and I like to use a little bit heavier oil, because it does thin out quite a bit. But, uh, I had an interesting thing happen. I, I went in for an oil change at a local, a quickie oil uh, change place, and uh, my vehicle said uh, it needed 5W-30, or uh, 20, I'm sorry, 5W-20. And I told the gentleman I want 5W-30. He says, I can't do that. I said, well, why not? He said, well, it says 5W-20 on it. And I asked him, I said, well, how do they know if I'm in Florida or Alaska? You know, <laughs> with that, and he, he couldn't answer me, but. I do like a little bit heavier oil in the summertime. Uh, synthetic oils, there's an advantage using the synthetics because synthetic oils don't have the viscosity changes that uh, uh, regular uh, type motor oils have. Uh, they, don't get, uh, they don't get real uh, thick in wintertime and they don't get real thin in the summertime. That it costs you a little bit more, but uh, there's an advantage to using that. Another area that you have to watch is your tire pressure, uh, tires that are low on air uh, actually does, does develop a lot of heat, and uh, this heat will cause that tire to fail quicker than it normally would. And what's interesting, uh, I used to work for AAA, and we used to do a yearly, uh, during National Car Care Month, we'd go around and we'd set up a, a check lane where they could come through and we would do minor checks. Eighty percent of the vehicles I came through there had one or more tires low on tire pressure, and it's the one I- it's the one item that that makes the most difference in your mileage. But with low tire pressure, there's more resistance and it causes mileage issues. And uh, the last thing I'll mention on this is is, is having yourself an emergency kit uh, in your vehicle, especially water. Uh, I have my what my wife does a lot of a, she's a real estate appraiser, and she's out on the road quite a bit. And I always make sure that she's got water in the vehicle in case she breaks down, because uh, sometimes it can take quite a bit of time before they get to a to, uh, total vehicle. in. But uh, that pretty well covers that part of it on the overheating. But remember what I said at the beginning, it's critical that you never overheat it not one time. Because one time, and usually the rule of thumb on that is that heat to the point where it shuts off on its own you completely well bet to that damage. And uh, one last thing I'll mention on that: there is a way to test that. Uh, usually, when there's damage like that, you can tell the way the vehicle runs and start running rougher because there's coolant leaking into the uh, cylinder heads. But there's a there's a device that you put in the radiator, and it's got a blue fluid that you draw air through from the cooling system. And if there's products of combustion in there, it'll actually change the color of of what's in that tube. So it's a quick way to see if, you're sure, you did you did end up damaging a blowing a head gasket.
1: Doesn't sound like fun. I'm sorry. A blowing a head gasket is not fun.
2: <laughs> no, it's not. And you know the problem with that is uh, it warps the heads because of the aluminum cylinder heads. So the heads, the cylinder heads, have to be machined so that they're flat again. And the thing that I used to hate about overheating jobs when they came into my service center is when they overheat them good like that When you take them apart and go to put them back together, nothing fits because everything, things change shapes. The exhaust manifold will change a little bit, and it's hard to get everything that fit like it did uh, when it was new. But uh, that's, that's a problem. Plus, you don't know if, if you had lower cylinder damage. But sometimes if you get them hot enough, it'll actually damage the uh, piston rings in the lower end. Hmm. And uh, the only way you're going to know that is either by doing a big down test or, or pulling them out and taking a look at them. But the, the next area that I wanted to talk about, and, and there's a lot of questions on this, with air conditioning. Uh, you have a lot of do-it-yourselfers out there that can It can be very dangerous. You can hurt yourself in really bad ways. And uh, I really think that uh, your listeners need to know about that. But uh, some of the things you need to know about air conditioning is... During the winter months, uh, it is good at least once a month to run the air conditioning uh, for a little bit. And what that does is, when the air con- when the freon is moving around inside the AC system, it actually moves oil with it, and uh, that oil is what keeps the seals uh, from drying out and it keeps all the internal components uh, lubricated. Now, vehicles that have automatic temperature control, a lot of the newer vehicles have automatic temperature control. And it'll use a combination of heat and air conditioning to achieve the desired temperature that you set it at. That's good uh, to run them uh, at least once a month during the winter time. Uh, in the front of the engine, you have what's called a condenser. The condenser is where the gas from the uh, compressor goes through and it's converted back into a liquid, it changes back into a liquid. and there's different things that will affect how efficient the system is if you have uh, bugs in the radiator in the front of that condenser because it's actually in front of the the radiator and uh, it is good if you can to blow those out uh, make sure that there's no restrictions some some people use bug screens uh, in the summertime I know that's a must here in Florida at different times of year we have the love bugs in May and, and September which can really be brutal but those bug screens will actually cause a a restriction of air going through that condenser, and if you restrict the air going through the condenser, it doesn't convert the gas back into a liquid as efficiently, and the system won't cool as good as it can. Uh, I don't know if you have those problems up there in Georgia. No, we not. We definitely have them here.
1: Not that bad. Not until we get uh, really down to South Georgia. Uh, it's not that we don't have our fair share of bugs, but uh, generally speaking, it doesn't become a problem until we get closer to Florida. Florida's just a buggy state, I guess,
2: <laughs> so you don't know, you don't you're not plagued with the love bugs like we are no uh they they can be nasty not only on blocking your your radiator or condenser but the damage they do to to paint on your vehicles you don't remove them but uh. Anyway, on, on the electrical, on the electrical fans that are on most of the newer vehicles, because you've got two types of fans, as I said earlier, you either have a manual fan that's turned by a belt uh, with, with a clutch fan or without a clutch fan, or you have an electric uh, fan. Most of them now have electric fans because it cuts down on the horsepower drain on the engine. And here's here's something that's really really important and when you're checking your AC system over, over, over. when you're running that air conditioning system, uh, that fan needs to be, if it's electrical, any time the AC system is running, that fan needs to be running. Uh, if a fan is not running when the AC system is on, uh, the pressures in the system will go so high that you can actually blow the uh, hoses off the AC system. I've actually been next to people when this happens.
1: Wow. Uh,
2: it happens usually when they're idling at a at a stoplight and the fan's not running it goes high and then you'll see this big cloud of freon come out from under the hood Hmm. Uh, that that can be a real problem because they what they have they have a relay that runs that fan sometimes the relays will go bad and they won't kick the fan on now some of the engines will have two fans you only need to have one running so as long as you got one of the two running uh, you're in good shape
1: James, let's uh, let people think about that as we take our next break. And uh, we'll be back with James Dunst talking about keeping your car cool and yourself cool, as a matter of fact. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
3: Hi, i Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit J.C.Taylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as Agreed Value, uh, insurance for your classic car again if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride call jc taylor insurance or visit jctaylor.com
1: and when you call jc taylor be sure and tell him that you heard about him on America's Web Radio from Steve Ronaldo. And they, uh, who knows what they'll do when you say the name Steve Ronaldo. But be sure and tell them. The other thing I want to remind everybody about at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning, we do religious programming and then again at two o'clock in uh, Sunday afternoon. So tune in for Christian programming at 11 o'clock in the morning on America's Web Radio, and then again at 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoons. And we do appreciate all of the listeners that tune in for various and sundry reasons or programs or whatever, and uh, we want to thank, again, James Dunst for coming on today. Uh, Steve and uh, Jim both had to be out today, and... James was gracious enough to say that he would he would take on the cooling issue and uh, he's doing a heck of a job and uh, funny thing is today you wouldn't need air conditioning in Atlanta, Georgia. It's supposed to only get up to the uh, mid50s. But anyway, that's uh, spring is around the corner, summers around the corner, and we rather take care of the car than get it repaired. So back to you, James.
2: Yeah, to go on with uh, some of the other things that you need to check, uh, the air conditioning compressor, let's say you're running, you turn your air conditioning system on, it's not cooling out. The first thing you want to know is, is the compressor running? And if you can see the compressor, a lot of vehicles, you're able to see it. On the front of the compressor, you're going to see a clutch. And when the AC is on, that clutch should lock up and be turning at the same speed that the pulley is. And uh, it's real easy to to check that. And if it's not, if that clutch is not locking up, uh, then there's a reason for that. And that can be low freon, it can be relay issues, it can be other uh, electrical issues. Uh, and I, I mentioned earlier about the fan clutch. Uh, if you have a fan clutch, uh, that's why right, I got it backwards. When the engine is uh, cold, if you without it running, if you grab a hold of one of the fan blades and turn it, it should be somewhat uh, have some resistance on it, and when the engine heats up, if you turn the engine off and you try to do the same thing, you're actually going to. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I just did the same thing again. When the engine when the engine is cold, what you're going to have is you're going to have it the fan being loose. Uh, you go to turn it, and it'll pretty well free wheel. When the engine gets hot. With with it turned off, and you go ahead and try to move the blade, it'll actually uh, you should feel resistance because it tightens up so that it draws more air through through the engine. Uh, I don't know if most people know this, but you know when you're doing 30 miles an hour down the road, you don't even need a fan. There's a there's plenty of air uh, rushing through the uh, condenser uh, when you're driving. So the fan isn't even necessary. But anyway. Uh, Checking the belts is another area. They, they use, uh, now we use what's called serpentine belts, which is a wider belt. I don't usually see them broken, but they do crack. And you, if you turn the belt over a little bit, if you see all these little cracks in it, uh, that's when you want to replace that belt. Uh, that's quite common. On the older vehicles, when you get into the single V belts, uh, it's pretty easy to see when they're, when they're bad. Serpentine belts, because you usually you're looking at it from the top. It's hard to tell the condition of it unless you can turn it over a little bit to look at the uh, look at the surface. But in uh, checking the operation of the cooling the uh, AC system when it's running, uh, you should notice that every about fifteen to twenty seconds you'll notice that the compressor kicks on and kicks off. That's normal. It's supposed to do that. If it if you have a fast cycling, let's say that it comes on and off every three, four seconds. That's usually an indicator that you're low on freon uh, if it does that. But to uh, every 15 uh, to 20 seconds to cycle on and cycle off, that is, that's a normal normal condition. Uh, AC systems. Uh, people I've heard uh, technicians say that, well, the freon wears out so you have to change it. Well, that's not true. The freon will never wear out. But what you end up with is no, no AC system. is perfect as far as no leaks. Uh, you have rubber hoses in parts of the lines, and eventually some of that freon will penetrate those hoses. It'll go through the hoses, and you can lose in a year, you can lose anywhere from 10 to 15% of your, of your freon. And here, here, here's the problem in, in charging these. You don't know how much freon is in your system. And you, you see these here, charging kits that people can buy at the uh, local parts store. Those things are dangerous. And the reason is uh, you have no idea how much freon is in, in the system. Now, every system has a certain amount of freon that they take. And usually there's a tag. It'll either be on the radiator housing or it'll be on the uh, uh, fan housing. or I'm sorry, on the... Uh, Cowl on the back of the back of the engine. There'll be a, there'll be a, a tag, and you will give it to you in pounds and ounces, or maybe all ounces. And that's exactly how much free is supposed to be in that system. Uh, if you lost some of the free end, you know how much you lost. So if you get one of these quickie charge kits and you add free to it, and you go beyond what the system is supposed to have, you can actually do damage to your system because. At some point, if you ever get liquid freon into the compressor, it will break the compressor. So it's real important that, that uh, I, I don't like to see those used. Uh, normally, the way it's done in, in a uh, service shop or repair shop, they have a uh, AC system, a unit that drains the system, and it actually removes the freon, turns it back into a liquid, and they can reuse it put it in a storage container. And then what they do at that point is they recharge it with the exact amount that's supposed to be in the system. On these uh, quickie charge kits that you buy, which you have to remember about brand crayon, uh, crayon 12 and 134, they boil at like 25 below zero. And if you get that sprayed into your eyes accidentally, uh, it'll freeze your eyeball instantly. And, and, and you end up blind from it. So it's real important that. If you are doing something like that, you need to make sure that you use some kind of eye protection. But I recommend not using those at all because, see, not every problem is a freon problem. There are other things that prevent an air conditioning system from working than than freon. So you may be adding freon when the system is full, and what you'll do is some major damage if you do do that. Uh, The other thing, well, when when you go to charge... You, you, you drain everything out, and usually you, you use a vacuum pump. And when you've drained everything from the system and you attach the vacuum pump to it, uh, what it does is uh, water boils at 17 inches of uh, vacuum at sea level. So if you have any moisture in the system, which will affect the way the, thing, the, the, way the AC system cools, if you have any moisture in there, you want to get remove that. Well, running it on a vacuum, and usually for anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes, will remove any kind of moisture or condensation that you have in the system. Uh, that, that, that is a, a, a critical thing. Uh, gauges, professionals, they use gauges. You, you have a high and a low side, and it's critical that you know what the high side is doing because if there's too much freon in there and you're adding freon to it, you're going to see that on a high side gauge. And then there's there's a couple different kinds of Freon. If you have the older classic cars, they use what's called Freon 12. Freon 12 was done away with because it had some effect on the ozone layer. Well, well they found out after that they went to 134A, and they found out that the 134A does a similar thing. So I I don't know where they're going next. The next thing to be careful of is I've actually drained systems. Uh, People have put propane in an AC system, which is extremely dangerous. Especially if you have an accident, it works. But uh, the problem is, it's dangerous. But you want to make sure that whatever the system is supposed to have, whatever it says on that on that uh, data tag, and that's what you actually put in the system. Hmm. I,
0: I can't uh, imagine. Another
2: area is the, the oil recharge cans. You'll see them at the parts store. It's, it's a couple of ounces of oil. It's, as I said earlier, there's oil in the system, and that's what oils the internal components and the compressor, and the Freon takes it around. And unless you've replaced a component, uh, let's say you replace the, the uh, compressor, uh, unless you replace the component like that, there would be no reason to add additional oil to the system. Because here again, uh, you can have an issue where you overcharge, put too much oil in there, and it will affect the cooling. Uh, of the AC system itself so there, there are some charts uh, that I used to use and it said that if you replace the evaporator core, add two ounces of oil, if you replace the condenser uh, it tells you how much to add but in most cases if you're recharging the system and you've not had any uh, major uh, blowouts, so if you blow out an AC line, a lot of the oil will come out with the uh, with, on that blown line so if you had something like that, you need to add oil, but but uh, not any other time.
1: And, uh, and, again, you know, take it to an expert that knows what they're really doing. Uh, you can save yourself a lot of money by doing that, I think, uh, and time as well. On that note, let's take our last break, and uh, then we'll get back with James right after this.
3: Hi, my name is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit JCTaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as Agreed Value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to, to uh, insure your classic, classic antique, or even your street ride, call J C Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com.
1: And be sure and tell J C Taylor that you heard about him on America's Web Radio's Classic Car Show. We'll be right back after this.
0: Hi, this is Rocky Blair former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And you're listening to the Classic Car Show, and we're talking keeping cool this summer with James Dunst. James, it's all yours again.
2: Well, I'll continue on. There's a few more items uh, on the AC list here. Uh, It's finding free on leaks when you have a leak, and there's several different ways of doing that. Uh, They use... In some cases, they'll use a dye where they'll insert dye into the system, and uh, then they use a black light. You can see where the freon the is coming out. The, the most common method is electronic leak detector, which will pick up very minor freon uh, leaks. Uh, another area that you need to look at is uh, the, the drain. See, when, when an AC system is operating, it's actually removing the humidity uh, that's in the car, and that humidity has to drain out somewhere. Well, there's drains that go to the outside, and if those drains get clogged, and they do get clogged, uh, they do get clogged with fungus and mold to the point where it'll block them, and in that case, you have a buildup of water in the, in the uh, plenum chamber itself, and eventually it's going to leak into the, uh, into the car on the floor. So that's something that should check. Some, sometimes I have a, uh, I know some of the, I remember on a Chrysler product, they had a uh, uh, like a little 90-degree weeper hose, and it would stick together on the bottom. And in a lot of cases, we just removed those so that there was no chance of that, uh, uh, of that plugging up. Uh, I get a question all the time. They say, well, you know, I get in my vehicle it's hot, you know, and why does it take so long for it to cool down? And it's because the dash is hot, everything in the car is hot, and also the humidity, I mentioned humidity. Uh, it has to remove the humidity in the car before it's actually cooling uh, at its best. So when you first get in the vehicle, you run the vehicle, it's gonna feel warm coming out of there and you'll notice it gradually starts to cool down. Uh, and, and that's because of the heat that's picked up the sun load that's on the, in the vehicle. and you know I always recommend those those uh, front windshield shields that you put up on your dash to block the heat uh, block the sunlight because the heat does do damage not only to the uh, uh, dashboard but it'll do damage to the, the seats and other things in the vehicle because it gets hot here in Florida it's not uncommon to have a temperature of 130 135 degrees inside the vehicle with the windows up so it's it's, it's real important that uh, especially if you <laughs> if you have animals uh, to make sure that uh, if you're leaving them in the vehicle that the windows are down uh, to where they're not getting overheated uh, I get the question where how should I run my AC what, what is the best position you have a research you have a fresh air position on there and what, what I mean by that is that it's bringing in outside air. Uh, when you bring in outside air, the problem with that is that, again, you got to remove the humidity. So it's not going to be as cold when you have it on um, the fresh air position. The recirculating position, what that does is you're actually recirculating the air within the car. And by doing that, it removes the humidity, and it'll get to its coldest temperature uh, in that recirculating uh, uh, position. But uh, that pretty well covers it. I'm open to questions. Uh, that you might have, Dave. Are we still with you?
1: James, are you still there?
2: We've lost you.
1: I lost you. Well, yeah, you lost me for
2: I don't. <laughs> a while. I don't know what happened there. Well, no, I... I had one of the joys of cell phones. <laughs> um, I don't know where I was in, in what I was just saying before we got cut off, but uh, I, I was explaining the best way to get the coolest air in the vehicle is to not use the fresh air. Fresh air, is you're bringing in outside air, which is humid, and uh, the system has to remove the humidity uh, before it actually does it. complete cooling. The best position to run to get the coldest temperature is your recirculating position, because that keeps rotating the air that's inside the vehicle, and once it removes the humidity, it's going to cool pretty good.
1: Well, you know, obviously you live in a lot warmer area than than even Atlanta, Georgia is. But, um, you know, uh, a lot of cars today, you can start before you ever get in them and start the A.C. or the the heat in them.
2: Uh, Yeah, that that has spoiled my wife. Her vehicle (laughs) is that way. She can start it from the from the house so that it cools down when she gets
1: out (laughs) there. Yeah, and uh, I do that on occasions, not frequently, but on occasions. But, uh, you know, it's... I think... Correct me if I'm wrong. You've seen a lot more of it than I have that uh, we have a tendency to forget about our heating and our cooling system. And, uh, you know, it's it's like one of those, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it does need attention, like everything else needs attention. And a lot of us, uh, out of sight, out of mind, you know.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. But change your antifreeze and it every year. Uh, make sure that uh, everything is there's nothing restricting the front of the radiator. And uh, if it cycles on every fifteen to twenty seconds, you're pretty much you're probably in pretty good shape on the air conditioning.
1: As far as, uh, you know, you hit on something that that uh, I like to present frequently, and, and this is sort of away from the classic car portion of, the, of it because you're not going to be out there in your classic car at some weird hour or something. But, you know, I'm like you. I keep a small emergency kit in the back of my Explorer, and uh, I have a... A blanket, which sounds crazy, but even on the uh, coolest of nights, if you happen to break down, you may, or you even in the summertime, you may want that blanket. Uh, At the same token, like you said, the water, absolutely. Now, how do you feel about those uh, cans? We were talking about the cans of freon, but what about the uh, cans of air for your? if you have a, a low tire or a flat, uh, is there enough in them to uh, get you to the next exit?
2: See, most of those. Most of those are not just air. Most of those have a, a substance in it for, for plugging a leak. And I've not had good experience with that. Actually, uh, the experience I have had is it's caused uh, imbalance problems. But mm. uh, there's not enough in a small can like that to really make a difference in the in when I'm talking about inflating a tire there's not enough in there to do that what I do is I have a small and you can buy them at any parts store they're about $39 49 there's a small little uh, air, uh, air compressor right you plug it in into your your uh, accessory or your cigarette lighter and uh, you can air up the tire
1: yep I have one of those as well so uh, great minds must think alike huh <coughs> excuse me Um, with that being said it's about time to put the plug in the jug I'm afraid and uh, I want to thank James (coughs) Dunce and it's not COVID folks, I've had my shots Um, just a little pollen in the air not a little, a lot of pollen in the air but anyway, it is time to get out of here and uh, James, I want to thank you very much for doing the show today and uh, I'm sure I'll be calling on you again in the in the near future and uh, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you and it's always a pleasure to listen to someone that has the kind of knowledge that you do. It's great and uh, want to just keep in mind that that car is a is one big moving part and you got to take care of all of them. So, with that being said, you've been listening to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, and we'll be back next week with more Classic Car information. And, James, thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.